Welcome back to JB Squared. Very excited for today's show. I'm JB Hager. I'm joined by Johan Bruniel. And uh, wow, what a day. I mean, just a GC battle extraordinaire and a shakeup in the in the overall podium. Uh, really, really good stuff to dig into today. If you listened to the move earlier, uh, I think you're going to want to stick around and hear Johan's opinion of which team has the upper hand, momentum, whatever you want to call it. We'll get all to, into all of that on today's episode of JB Squared. Okay, Johan, I'm really excited to talk about today's ep, uh, uh, stage. Um, I want to talk, spend some time on the winner. I want to obviously spend time on UA, UAE and Jumbo, but I think it's important to talk about the the, the crash early mm. on. Uh, yeah, you know, and the the coverage did a really good job of doing. They they called it a split. They did a split screen of live and a flashback. I like that because if you tune in late, bringing you up to speed, but. It's not very often that you see uh, a crash in cycling where they pause the race, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it was like 24 minutes and, you, and they probably it was a long time. It you was see? a long time. So, um, you know, it was early in the stage, I think about after like 10 kilometers, there was you know a lot of attacks and um, they actually didn't, they did, they didn't have the crash, uh, filmed but but apparently uh from what i read afterwards there there must have been some oil on the mm -hmm. road in a turn and so about 40 riders went down uh it was clear immediately that there were some riders who were hurt you know we lost uh, roman bardet today i think a concussion we lost louis mentions uh who was in 12th or 13th position um we lost uh pedrero from movistar i think and then chavez um Officially, you know, the explanation was that uh, there was a lack of ambulances. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, anyhow, I think it was a wise decision to to neutralize the race. Um, there's probably been a consensus between the teams, the organizers, the UCI judges. Uh, normally, if, if, if a race is stopped, it's because... Uh, there's too many ambulances that are busy and there's, if the race goes on, the race is not covered anymore with ambulances. You know, if there's three riders there, normally they would go all in the same ambulance. You know, nobody was, I mean, it was a broken collarbone, a concussion, and then uh, some kind of open wound or something. So nothing really major. Life-threatening. Um, yeah, they're not life-threatening. Okay. Well, major meaning broken collarbone is nothing major in cycling, you know. In, right. It's, I mean, there's been riders who finished finished stages with broken collarbones. Of course, it all depends which kind of fracture you have, right? Um, but I think it was uh, it was a good decision until the calm has come back in the in the peloton. You know, I saw mechanics working on bikes. Um, so yeah, I mean. 20 plus minutes is a long time to neutralize a stage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think even, um, our, you know, our audience of, of weekend warriors, if you will, you know, people like me, you go on, a you know, a three, four hour group ride. And if they stop too long in the convenience store, I'm like, let's go, let's go. Cause <laughs> I, it just, you fall apart and then it's hard to yeah. get going again at this level. That may have had an impact on a lot of a lot of these riders just just to get going again on such a tough day. For sure, for sure, and also it has it could have an impact on on some some team strategies, right? Because 
for sure some some teams were had the instructions of having to go in breakaways from the gun so maybe they were kind of in a, in a break when they when they showed uh, when they slowed down the race and then of course sitting there for 20 plus minutes then yeah to get going again you know all, all, everything you've done before the stage they all warm up on rollers they all have this protocol of getting ready for the stage that's all through the window right um but anyway it's for everybody the same and then so the race started again and finally there was um a strong breakaway um as you would expect with really strong riders you know you had uh i don't know how many riders there were in the break 15 plus riders but you know we had mike woods in there we had Thibaut Pinot in there we had julio chicona who's going for the for the pocket of jersey Mikel landa Mikel kwiatkowski yesterday's winner you know a, a lot of riders that on a day like today they could be in a break that potentially could make it to the finish right um but yeah that was that was not uh in the plans of jumbo visma jumbo visma today they had a they had a plan of course they're in yellow they're supposed to set the pace but logically you would think well you know what i mean since we have set or we are so afraid that Pogacar has this acceleration and can take this bonification. This is an ideal situation. We can let it go. The first guy is 10 minutes down. So as soon as it gets to seven, eight minutes, other teams are going to pull anyway. Mm. But there's the bonifications are gone on the last climb and at the finish, right? Now, that was not the case. Uh, they rode like madman today, Jumbo Visma. Uh, they were impressive in strength. Um, you know, they they first there was Laporte and and uh Nathan van Hoydonk. They were extremely, extremely strong. I mean, when these two tall, heavy guys were setting the pace, that <laughs> the, the, there were guys drop being dropped in the Peloton, like decent climbers, like Ala Philippe, for example, mm -hmm. was getting dropped when these big guys were pulling. So um they were definitely on a mission today, Jumbo Visma. And that's where I got some questions about what they really wanted to accomplish. Do you, do uh, you suspect that they, they wanted, uh, uh, they, they didn't want a fresh Pogacar going into that last uh, 5K of the climb? Yeah, yes, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I mean, I think what, what in their mind, if you ride like this, uh, they have first they have the the two guys then they have uh as i'm trying to think who was the next guy it was probably tish Benoit, the next guy uh then dylan van barle and then when 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 walt van art started to go uh on the second to last climb called the la ramas i mean that was that was still 60 67 kilometers from the finish and i was thinking by myself okay what are they gonna do until the bottom of Juplan. Now, here then comes the uh, phenomenon Walt Van Aert into play that, you know, you can't explain. It makes no sense, but he's so strong. Like he was putting this tempo on the Col de la Ramas, which is a hard climb, by the way, a really hard climb. Uh, on top of that, on the top, it's all open. As you can see, it was single file. And he was just drilling it, drilling it, drilling it. And guys like Tom Pitcock, and Mark Soler, and uh, I don't remember who the other was. There was another guy there from GC. 
they were having a, such trouble and, and getting dropped. Pitcock there, his you know chase for a good GC was was over there on the Col de la Ramas. And this is when Van Aert is pulling, knowing that he goes over that climb, he has to pull the whole downhill and then still all the flat until the bottom of the Juplan. So, you know, Jumbo Visma is able to do these kind of strategies because they have Walt Van Aert. Without Walt Van Aert, you, there's, you cannot do this because you're running out of riders, right? And, yeah. and so he is there and he does the job of three riders. Uh, and then, you know, these other three riders are still relatively fr fresh. You know, one thing you have to have in mind is, okay, they want to make the race hard uh, because they want to tire out Pogacar. But, you know, if the race is hard, it's hard for everybody. Right. First of all, for them, also for Vingegaard, you know. And, and in my opinion, if you race like this, the objective is to place an attack on Juplan and try to drop Pogacar. I mean, I, I, I didn't have to see today's stage. I've seen enough already to know that that's not going to happen. Vingegaard, for the moment, is unable to drop Pogacar. It's the other way around, mm. right? I mean, you can see clearly that he's looking for Pogacar. He's obsessed with Pogacar. A lot of times when Jumbo Visma is... is pulling he's sitting further down and looking for the wheel of Pogacar and not he's never behind his team now in my opinion that's not the demeanor of some of a leader with confidence hmm. you know if you have your pull, your team pull you sit behind your team and you wait until it's time to go right so i understand why he's not confident because until now i mean they're so tight that uh, it's it's logical that he's always waiting for this attack. But then I question why do they ride like this? Um, you know, they may think, okay, on the last climb, Pogacar is going to be stronger than Vingegaard. But then, then no, Vingegaard is going to be stronger than Pogacar. Not the case. Or it may be part of today and tomorrow, right? Wearing them out and then tomorrow being the second chapter of this two-day strategy and finally uh, going on the last climb. But I don't see it happening tomorrow either. I could I could tomorrow see the other way around. Do you still feel like uh, Pogacar is, is gaining in fitness, momentum, all of that? You know, he's not, he's, he's, he's not, uh, he's a lot better than, the first mountain stage that we saw where everybody thought the, the tour was over, you know, they, at this level, JB, they, they can't get any better. If they get better, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to flatten the, the, the Alps. You know, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to flatten the Alps uh, because they're going so fast, but they're really, really tight. Um, uh, although I do think that um, I, I, you know, it's something I keep seeing little tiny things. Um, Vingegaard, in my opinion, is riding nervously in the bunch, uh, always looking for Pogacar's wheel. Um, and if you look at, if you compare this year, except that one stage, right? Uh, if you compare it to last year, um, you know, there's, there's, it's very clear to me that um, 
last year Vingegaard was able to follow every single acceleration of Pogacar. Pogacar was sometimes winning these sprints, but he wasn't able to put any distance in between him and Vingegaard. And this year, every single time Pogacar has attacked, Vingegaard has not been able to follow one attack yet. That's the difference, in my opinion, uh, that time-wise, they're very equal. But that's what I think that Pogacar has a little bit the upper hand on Jonas Vingegaard. And uh, for the moment, it's 10 seconds difference. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's going to come down to the time trial. I don't know. It was hard for me to tell if, uh, you know, with those explosive um, hits from Pogacar, you know, Jonas doesn't have that. And it's hard, it was hard for me to tell today if um, he was doing those surges, and but they just wouldn't last long. He had to settle back down. Jonas would crawl back. Was it because he was blowing himself up really quick? Or do you think the motos and the crowd played a factor in those attacks? No, I don't think the motos. I mean, obviously, it played a, it played a, a factor in the in the in his first attack for the bonification sprint because he was it was clear that when when he went first and he distanced uh, Vingegaard he stayed out there then at a certain moment he saw that he was staying there it was clear that he was waiting and letting him come back that was obvious and then he was basically saying okay now I'm going to give it all my effort in that last surge towards the the top of the climb and then when he went i think his objective was to put a little bit of distance and get those bonifications finally the motorbikes uh prohibited him from doing that and then he made a mistake he let himself surprise by vingegaard so you know vingegaard is is he has a pretty good acceleration also you know i mean the proof is that one moment of um, not paying attention, and and, Ving- and Vingegaard got the bonification there. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is it is crazy how how tight how close close they are. Today, um, it's the first time that I didn't. I mean, when 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 Pogacar went, and it was still far from the from the top. Uh, Vingegaard did not try too hard i mean i don't know if he wasn't because he couldn't or if he wanted to just to you know keep his rhythm he obviously knows that if he keeps his rhythm bogacha is not going to be very far right mm-hmm. but that's not the strategy of somebody who wants to drop his opponent i also got an indication that bogacha is feeling very confident when he, i think what was it he he said something to yates Right. And then they took off. They had, it's like, that was yeah. planned. And it was like, okay, yeah. now, now. Yeah, and also it, it's, it's also proved that he was feeling pretty good, you mm-hmm. know, because when Sepp Kuss was pulling, Vingegaard was in, in, the, in, the, in the wheel and then Pogaccia was in the wheel of, of Vingegaard. And it's not like Vingegaard was all of a sudden asking Sepp Kuss to up the pace, which normally is what you would expect if you prepare an attack. Yet, Bogacar looked at Adam Yates and he said, okay, he didn't, you know, he, he, he did. He, and, and then Adam Yates went to the front and, and up the pace. And then basically that, that was it. Uh, the prepare, the preparing for an attack. So, uh, I think those little things give me, I mean, it's just a personal opinion, right? But I think that it gives a little bit of advantage to, to Pogacar. Hmm. 
Today's show is brought to you by Ventum, the all-new GS1, starting with SRAM Apex AXS for just $29.99. Uh, and uh, it's an incredible uh, gravel bike. I just got the new GS1. And uh, if you have been watching the move or you listen to Outcomes, you've heard of Spencer Martin. He uh, is riding my GS1 right now because I brought my NS1 also. And he's like, wow, he loves it. Loves, loves, loves it. Uh, so you should check it out. It's really fun to go on their site and build out an NS1 or a GS1. Uh, and in fact, Spencer was asking me about some of the options that I had. He's like, well, these handlebars were one of the options because he really liked them. And uh, you can pick the crank length. You can pick the handlebar width. You can upgrade the wheels. I put the uh, Zip 303s on it. They, they look good. They feel good. Uh, anyway, you can build out your bike and they all have the same frame. NS1 or GS1, it's a top of the line, best carbon, whereas uh, some other brands downgrade the carbon for a lower end bike. All the frames are the same. You're riding the same thing that Lance and George ride. Uh, so go online and build it out. And uh, I think you'll, you'll really like all the options in the process. It's actually pretty cool. So 10% off when you use the code we do at checkout at ventumracing.com slash the move. Today's show is also brought to you by Ketone IQ, which is made by HVMN. And today was fun. On the move, we had Michael Brandt. He's the CEO of HVMN. HVMN. And we got to chat a little bit after the show uh, because some of the things I've been telling you this tour, I feel better with mental clarity. It's helped with um, all kinds of things, my ADD that I deal with. And he confirmed a lot of my suspicions about um, that it was the ketones, ketone IQ that was helping me. And another one that I've, I've forgotten to tell you about is, uh, forever. I was just a, a hardcore coffee drinker. You know, I was up at 4am working in radio forever. So four or five cups of coffee was not out of the question. And, uh, Michael confirmed for me that having the ketone IQ first thing in the morning, a shot, like you can do it, the small bottles or, or, or one like this, the big one I'm showing on YouTube, but, um, one shot and it's really suppressed, not only suppresses your appetite first thing in the morning, but, but my urge for coffee. So I've gone from like a four cup of coffee drinker to one. And I feel just as alert. I don't have the, the caffeine bonk that I've had forever. I mean, if you drink coffee, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's just helped in a lot of capacities with mental clarity and energy and focus. So try a subscription so it gets sent to you on a regular base. And I can give you a code here for 30% off and try it for a few months. And I think you'll see a difference. Uh, you can get that 30% off on your first subscription order at Ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash the move. Again, visit HVMN.com slash the move and subscribe, subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. What's a... Uh, Jumbo's efforts doing to the other teams in the Peloton because they're, they're not enjoying this. Well, you know, I mean, I wrote down in my notes here, you know, so what did they want to accomplish, right? What did, what did uh, Jumbo Visma want to accomplish? We don't really know because normally it would be, you know, that uh, they, they prepare an attack for, for Jonas. But one thing they did accomplish is they pissed off a lot of other teams <laughs> uh, because a stage like this, you know, it's, it's a general consensus that the team of the yellow jersey is going to set the pace. 
a breakaway will go and maybe yes, maybe no, they can make it. But they never got more than 50 seconds. And you get all you had all these guys, you know, like as I called Woods, Pinot, Ciccone, Landa. Uh, they all tried to get ahead of that group and they were just brought back. Uh, that no chance, no chance at all to uh to make it. Um, I mean, even before the before the second last climb, before the call de la, la, la Ramas, they were already reeled in. And from there on, it was just jumbo, 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 which, you know, you, you need to be really, really strong and confident to execute a strategy like that, first of all. But then my question is, what is the result of this strategy? Today, they, they took one second. Uh, they could have lost uh, three. They could have lost five seconds, I guess. Yeah, they could have lost seven seconds if if Pogacar got the both of the bonuses. So so yeah, maybe it is a good day. Instead of mm-hmm. losing seven seconds, they gained one second. Okay, um, it maybe it's, it is a good day, but it's definitely not a defining day today. And and you know the for the moment they say okay, you know the Alps is better. You know the longer stages, the multi climbs. Jonas is a lot better than that. Dan Pogacar, I said already yesterday, I don't know why they keep saying this. Well, today, I haven't seen anything of that. Prior to today, I thought uh, uh, Jai Hanley had his podium spot in the bag. Well, so- not in the bag, but <laughs> not in the bag, but he had two minutes uh, on, on Carlos Rodriguez. Yeah. Do you, do you know if he, well, and we'll get into Carlos Rodriguez, but do you know if Hanley is... If you heard any reports from you know his crash, is he, well, he is, was, he's impacted definitely? Obviously, he was in the crash. Uh, it's never good. It's never a good thing, you know. And if you see that you know his shorts were ripped, his jersey was ripped. Uh, it's not a good thing. You obviously have some some kind of uh, consequences. Um, I think he defended himself pretty well. But he did lose almost two minutes uh, on on Carlos Rodriguez. So Hindley, um, Hindley, well, Hindley finished sixth in today's stage. So not bad, not bad. It's just that Carlos Rodriguez had an amazing day, right? Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, Carlos Rodriguez is, is is now sitting in third with one second. I still think Hindley is is up there, but. You know, it's the same like, oh, you know, the momentum is changing, right? And 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 Hindley is there. We'll see tomorrow, you know, after today's crash. He's also not, today he suffered a lot, uh, you know. So tomorrow he's also not going to have a great day. Um, but maybe Carlos Rodriguez will pay his efforts of today. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. It's, that's still, that's still going to be an interesting battle. Uh, and then still Adam Yates is up there, except Goose is now in sixth also, which, you know, we have said a lot of times, yeah, why is Sepp Kuss hanging on there? The same we said about Adam Yates, and here we have them, fifth and sixth, uh, which strategically is still a card that both of those teams can play. In this case, UAE has the upper hand because Adam Yates is three minutes ahead of Sepp Kuss in the GC. So anything that could go away 
with both of those riders in there is in the advantage of you. Okay. Give, give us some of those cards. Like uh, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head. So you send up Sepkus and then Enios wants to protect this new third place, right? You can put them in a working position. Is that a, is that a card like you're talking about? Well, first, first, if Sepkus is gone, is, is going, then Adam Yates will have to be there also. Mm. Also, otherwise they're not going anywhere. So if both of them are in there, that basically means that both Jumbo and UAE, both Vingegaard and Pogacar would give up their first and second place if that group goes far enough away, right? And in this case, it's, it's it would never be good for Jumbo because UAE would have three minutes advantage on Sepkus with, with Adam Yates. Um, so I'm I'm thinking a little bit how they could use this strategically. I don't think they can use it that much. Hmm. Uh, they could they could use it um, having these guys up there, and then yeah, having Ineos and and uh, and Bora uh, for Jay Hindley, probably um, you know setting the tempo. But you know after what I've seen today. Jumbo Visma and UAE, they don't really they don't really need any help from anybody. They're, they're the two strongest teams. And uh the day is one yesterday was UAE controlling the whole stage. Today was Jumbo Visma, and they don't need help. Oh, then once can well, we won't get into tomorrow yet. Save it. <laughs> I was like, well, what about tomorrow? Because we need to spend more time on Carlos Rodriguez, because this is a name that you shared in the up and comer show a couple of years ago. He's only 22 years old. As it came up on the move, he's in contract negotiations, which has to feel great right now. <laughs> like what a great yeah. position to be in. Will he stay at in Ineos? Will he go to Movistar? What, what do you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've only also heard the rumors. I, you know, the, a few weeks ago, it was said that it was almost a done deal that Carlos Rodriguez would go to Movistar. It's clear that Movistar, a pure Spanish team, big Spanish sponsor, they need a Spanish name, right? They do have Enrique Mas, um, but um, they need a new guy. And Carlos Rodriguez is... The next, I mean, there's two two big guys in in, in upcoming guys. It's Carlos Rodriguez and Juan Ayuso in Spain. Juan Ayuso has a long term contract with UAE, so they're going after Carlos Rodriguez. Now, I have heard in the last week during this Tour de France that this rumored agreement between Movistar and Carlos Rodriguez is far from a done deal, and that the chances that he's staying at Ineos are better and better. Which to me would make a lot of sense. I, I think I think that if Ineos really uh, wants to, I think they need to keep him uh, because they need a guy like him. Uh, and if it's if it comes to money, Ineos is always going to win that battle against Movistar. Um, you know, if Carlos Rodriguez goes to Movistar, it implies for him that there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders as being you know the young next thing for spain uh he is an amazing rider but i don't know if he is a guy that really would enjoy being in the spotlights he seems mm -hmm. to me like it's a very uh he's a bit of a, a, a timid a timid guy shy a little bit um well spoken but 
you know, he's not a rock star. You know, he's not a he's not he's not a, a guy who who loves the spotlight. And, you never, uh, but you never know if they they grew up dreaming of fighting for a Spanish team, right? That's true. That's and, true. And, and then, and, and you could speak a lot on that. You know, you were a Belgian writing for a Spanish team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 what's it like for those writers culturally? It's, you know, you want to uh, be surrounded by something that's comfortable and familiar. I would assume. Yeah, but you know, this guy, this guy is uh, first of all, Carlos Rodriguez is uh, an eight. How, how do you say that? Not typical, atypical guy. Atypical, yeah. Atypical. Uh, so he went straight from juniors to the world tour, straight to Ineos. He was dominating the juniors uh, categories, and um, you know, for sure, as as a young rider, he would have been dreaming of movie star. You know, but Ineos is <laughs> it's not it's that's like another level, right? Uh, Carlos Rodriguez is also a, a guy. He has an engineer's degree, uh, so. Smart guy speaks very well English. Uh, in Ineos, there is quite a lot of Spanish staff mm-hmm. uh, and some Spanish riders. So I don't think I don't think that's an issue for Carlos okay. Rodriguez. Okay. Um, personally, if I would be Carlos Rodriguez or his agent, I would say stay at Ineos. It's a better environment for him, and he would not have that extra pressure of the Spanish public of you know having to perform you know if he's adineos he may he's going to do the vuelta probably next year or the tour or but you know he's going to be part of ineos it's not going to be the weight of a whole country mm. on his shoulders too you know let's say he's got he gets on the podium this year you know it would be amazing there's no guarantee he's going to be on the podium next year I mean, if these two guys stay around, there's no way he's winning or second, <laughs> right? Uh, then if, if if other guys come, if Roglic does the tour, if Evenepoel does the tour, uh, if Ayuso does the tour, you know, that the competition is... So I would say, stay at Ineos, you got your chances, but you're part of a big, well-oiled machine. And, and with all due respect to Movistar, Movistar is more an... an an old-fashioned team. Uh, they're obviously having to. They have to go with the flow and and being up to date with all the new technology and science. But it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for him personally, uh, Ineos. If I'm his agent, Carlos, stay at Ineos. Quédate en el Ineos, por favor. <laughs> Hang on, I got to write down the time on that one. They're funny. Uh, okay, you, I was getting ahead of myself a second ago because um, you know you were talking about how we saw UAE pulling yesterday, Jumbo pulling today. What do you expect tomorrow? Well, tomorrow JB is another really, really hard stage. Um, there's there's more climbing than today. Today was four thousand three hundred meters of elevation. Tomorrow's 4,500 meters of elevation. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of climbs. Uh, n- normally, you would think this is once again an ideal stage for a strong breakaway. We don't know if what Jumbo Visma is going to do. You know, if the, if today's action was part of a two-day plan, then we will see the same thing. We will see Jumbo Visma again putting the hammer down. Uh, nobody in the break. 
And um, because, you know, normally if, if, if it's just the last climb, that's the hardest. And that's also uh, the case tomorrow. Um, it makes no sense really to have a rider in the breakaway because, you know, he doesn't have to wait and then do a downhill for Jonas Vingegaard. That made a lot more sense when it was over the Tourmalet, which was the hardest climb of the day, but but it was the second last climb. Tomorrow, the hardest climb is the finish. So if we can go off today, it's going to be the same thing. Uh, a, a day like tomorrow, it's up, down, up, down. I can only imagine the riders who have been suffering, seeing those yellow guys up front, yellow, black, yellow and black, whatever, the bee swarm, they call it. <laughs> Uh, putting the herd on the peloton, and and I can see more of the same. Logically, it would be ideal for a breakaway like today. So I don't know. Maybe there's been a few talks between directors, and and they say, hey, don't keep pissing us off because otherwise we're gonna ride against you or whatever. But there's not mm -hmm. much they can do against mm -hmm. them. They're so strong that they impose their will on the peloton. Uh, the days that Jumbo Visma decides they do it, and the days that UAE. Uh, they do the same. I expect actually tomorrow uh, on the last climb, if you look at uh, how it finishes, the last um, one and a half, two kilometers, it's nine and 10%. I expect an attack of Pogacar. Tomorrow, I think, would be an ideal day for Pogacar to attack, take the jersey, and be able to start the time trial in last position, having for to have the split times of Jonas Vingegaard, who will start just in front of me. That would be my my uh, my objective. Yeah, we're we're going uh, for other reasons running short on time, but someone did ask about that, like the uh, the strength of starting last in the time trial is a very powerful position to be in. It is. It is. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's not. It's not a real time. To, I mean, it's 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 a climb. It's climbing. It's, but still, um, if you if you have the guy in front of you, there's enough there's enough time difference. I think it's going to be two minutes or two minutes and a half in between the last ten or fifteen riders. But still, you know, having that those time splits straight away instead of having to wait an, an, another another two minutes basically. Uh, that that kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage. Okay, um, I guess anything else from today? If not, I'm going to do the Ventum trivia. I think yeah, no, it all. I no. I mean, I'm else, I I will say this. I'm I you know this head to head battle on the heels of the Netflix series, which has drawn some interest and in new people in. This is this is good for the sport. What we're oh, watching, really good. Yeah, and, and it. Uh, maybe I'd love your thoughts. Maybe the closest finish that, that we may have may see since Lamont and Fignon. Oh, I've, I've heard. I've heard. There's uh, there's a few other situations where you know I don't know how it's going to be at the, at the end, but at this point, at today's point, there was like four or five other occasions where it was still close, and then there was one mountain stage where it all blew up. I mean. I remember 2003, uh, at this point, uh, Lance had 15 seconds advantage on Ulrich. And, you know, it's nerve wracking. And that's the, that was the time trial that he slid out, right? And 
Yeah, yeah, right. but you know, Oryx, but, yeah, yeah, but Lance had then on Luzardi then already taken a minute back on uh, a minute back, so he was leading with one minute fifteen. Yeah, the last time. yeah. Okay, um, cool. Looking forward to tomorrow. Today's. Uh, let me give you yesterday's uh, answer from Ventum Trivia, and then again, it's a chance for you to win an NS one. Uh, what was the first year the tour had a grand depart outside of France, and where did it happen? Did you know that answer? Maybe not. I did not. I was I was going to say uh, 1980 or something, Berlin, uh, which I do remember seeing pictures of it, but it, it was, was a lot earlier, right? It was earlier. It was 1954 in Amsterdam. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Oh. Today's question, and again, when all the uh, correct answers go into a drawing each day, and then at the end of the tour, we'll draw for the new Ventum NS1. Uh, today's question is, what was the original nickname of the tour? All right. So do your research, figure out what the original nickname for the tour was. Email it to trivia at VentumRacing.com. And good luck trying to win that bike. All right. Johan, thank you very much. Looking forward to outcomes for tomorrow. I'm definitely tuning into that one. And I bet, uh, you know, Lamovita is going to start heating up with uh, a, a Spanish rider, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have yeah. a lot to talk about. Okay. Uh, and then on that note, I'll let you go. Thank you, Johan, and I appreciate it. Okay, JB. Thanks. Thanks.